Easy. Let's rip it. Yeah. So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? I don't know, like touch and fly, was it moving? Like, no, nah, it feels pretty locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude. Oh boy! Wop, wop, wop. You fucking blew it! That's idling. <laughs> Yo, what's going on? What's up? Welcome to Moped Monday Podcast. Um, oh dang yeah thanks for having me here bro (laughs) kicking it off another day another week another year month whatever and i got um i don't even know how to describe you i would say sean is like a moped mentor to me i i guess i guess that'd be a good good way to uh you know call him but yeah we got sean from black black uh, on the phone, you know, ready to do a podcast. <laughs> let's let's do this. I'm excited. Yeah, man. So I know you've if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you've definitely heard us talk about Sean. Sean uh, owned the Shred Shed in Richmond, Virginia, and he's been doing a lot of moving stuff. I I I I call you like the one of the driving forces to like the second wave of mopeds in Richmond. Uh, Oh, well, I mean, thanks, I guess. Uh, You know, the fact remains is that um, if it weren't for everybody that was being active and turning out for rides and being interested in the thing though, I mean, it never would have been much of anything. I mean, I guess if, um, just having a space for people to come and hang out and wrench or something was that catalyst. Then uh, I'll take some responsibility for that, I guess. Uh, but uh, otherwise, it was the uh, enthusiasm of the community really that uh, brought brought it all together. Yeah, it takes it takes takes a village for sure. But you know who's who's the child that we raised though. <laughs> Dude, we had a lot of children, little, a lot of little babies, you know. Nigel, for one, <laughs> been, been doing the thing, but you know, sometimes we had to wrangle them in. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the regular, <laughs> dude. So I've never like really sat down and like talked to you like deep about how you got into mopeds and like. Cause you've been in it mm. for a long time and like, I've only known you, you know, since you lived here, but I didn't like, I never saw you before then. And you just like magically appeared one day. I showed up at the shop. And I'm like, Oh, this guy's got a moped shop in town. Okay. That's crazy. And you know, so how'd you, how'd you get into the, the thing? Um, Hmm. Uh, as a kid, my, uh, my mama's, Kin um, had like a farm, Wisconsin, and uh, we're always tinkering on all kinds of things. So like um, garden tractors and big boy tractors and um, snowmobiles and motorcycles and different farm implements and building like uh, homemade go karts and. Uh, 
shit like this was always like part of uh, growing up. And so um, that like coming of age type thing, part of that for us was like going up north every summer and then uh, hanging out and going riding single track and fire roads and uh, stuff up there. And um, as young kids, uh, my cousins and I, um, we would all have to pass like all these like goofy tests um, in order to like, uh, I guess like, uh, like test out to make sure that we were <clears throat> um, ready to go and like hang out and like be riding out in the woods and stuff. And so you started on, um, I think it was maybe like a FA or a QT or something, or maybe like some kind of like shitty express or something like this. Right. And so, uh, you rode one of those and then you moved up to uh Honda 50 and then, uh, from that to the 65 to the 90 to like some like turfed, like, um, two stroke dirt bike until, you know, granddad or one of the uncles or something felt like you were capable enough to be able to, uh, hang out and ride and keep up with everyone and be able to restart the bike if you stalled out on a hill or pick it up or just any of this stuff. And so, um, so I was like riding like, at a pretty early age. Um, my folks too were like, uh, outlaw bikers. And so I was like, uh, going to like hella tons of like motorcycle rallies and stuff when I was a kid. So like Sturgis and bike week and like all that sort of shit. And like just being around the culture and, um, how old was that? Know, as a, how old was that as a kid? Uh, whoa, dude. Yeah. Like very, very wild. Um, yeah, like a lot of stuff. Like if you look through like super old, like, uh, easy rider magazines and shit like that from the eighties, I mean, it was that like, um, pretty like lawless and like, um, pretty debauched and like wild. Yeah. Just, just crazy. Like tons of drugs and drinking and stuff everywhere and people crashing motorcycles and doing burnouts and wheelies and um, lots of like kitties and stuff, <laughs> dude, tons of wet t-shirt contests and shit. And like, uh, lots of stuff I probably shouldn't have been seeing as like a, you know, young child. But, um, so <clears throat> I kind of always like been, uh, around mm, two, two wheeled adventuring and, um, riding and motorcycles and what have you. And, um, so one year I was living in Tampa and, uh, I was like working graveyards at this porno shop called the pink pony. <laughs> so it's like right by Raymond James stadium. And, uh, I was like working with a dude there and, uh, we were talking about, uh, scooters and motorcycles and whatever shit. And he was like, Oh yeah, my dad has got some kind of Honda thing. And, uh, it's just like been sitting behind the house for a while or whatever. And, um, you know, he'd probably sell it to you cheap if you wanted it. And, um, so one night we ended up like getting lit out of our minds and ended up over there at like five in the morning, tinkering around behind the house, looking at this thing. 
and uh his dad come out and was like you know what the hell are y'all doing and this and that and i told him like oh you know what your boy said this thing was maybe for sale i really want it la 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 you know it's like shitty express um i think it was yellow yeah and uh he was like uh okay cool it hasn't ran in a while but whatever 50 bucks so i was like sick yeah so I gave him 50 bucks and then uh, loaded up in the van, took it home, and then tried to air quote kickstart it and nothing happened. You know, I was like, oh, well, clearly this thing is busted and didn't uh, didn't understand. You know, you had to dep- depress the uh, brake lever in order to get it to fire up. And so. Uh, so it's sat outside for like a year or something. And, uh, at one point in time, I looked in the gas tank and there was like a couple like dead lizards in it and like <laughs> it was all rusted out and shitted up. And when we finally went to move out of there, um, I went to like pick the bike up and kind of like wheelie turn it around. And when I did, I hit the brake lever and it kicked over and was like, Oh, uh. <laughs> oh. so that would have been the first one that I like owned uh i guess um and then it wasn't until like years and years and years later when i uh uh i moved to denver from uh los angeles and uh bounced around so many places man you're like always moving and switching up the scenery um yeah the train riding and the growing up traveling all the time and stuff really is uh it's been hard to like settle into a place you always are kind of antsy looking looking across the horizon and getting antsy and yeah so uh la is like really not a fun place or a good place to be and was having a was having a lot of troubles out there living with like a bunch of like uh shithead like uh burning man people and like um had gotten conscripted into being like basically like a indentured servant for like a burning man caravan thing and uh, was just real shitty. And so I rode trains from there to Denver and went and hung out with uh, cricket uh, Ryan Nash. Yeah. He was living out there at the time uh, with a couple other homies and um, got out there and loved it. And he was like, you should just move here. So, so you did. Did you, mm-hmm. get in the, did you get in the trains like around the same time you were like getting back into mopeds or was like a train was like a, always a passion before that too? Uh, uh, no, I've been, I've been riding trains since, uh, like, uh, 94. So, um, I've been doing that for like long, long time. And it's mostly how I know, uh, all the people that I know. I mean, not, not currently, obviously I've met a lot of people from all sorts of different, uh, subcultures and stuff over the years but um a lot of the people that i know and even dudes in our gang i know through riding trains and whatnot so um yeah i like i went out to denver i really i really liked it mm-hmm. and uh decided to stay and um went back got all my stuff drove out there uh lived with uh ryan and uh the homie eric Battist um over there by um other homie uh kurt um who owned the six gear shop uh track shack and um then down the other 
way down the street was um, Jono and uh, Rachel and um, Sam McKay and um, Zach Evans. And uh, and they were all riding mopeds and stuff and were in the neighborhood, rode trains, and everybody kind of knew each other. And so uh, things started kind of popping off around that time. And did they, what, did they already have a club by the time you moved there, or was that just something that was kind of starting to bubble up? Um, Jono and Rachel, uh, I think, had bought mopeds maybe in Nashville before they had relocated to Denver. <clears throat> and then when they uh, moved to Denver proper, they hooked up with um, Rick Styles and uh, Derek Stahl and Willie Crook and uh, Ryan Stoops and uh, maybe a couple other people. And they had a gang that was called the Spokesman. That was like the that was like the first shit I think in in Denver um, before before Black Black. Sick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, those people are all chillers. And um, uh, I can't remember exactly what the impetus was. He'd probably have to ask Jono more about uh, about that or Derek. Um, but I feel like uh, they were bummed about maybe it was like uh, they were like always just trying to do some like real nerd shit, like some like pizza party hangouts or something and uh, uh most of the dudes were like on a more like bad boy tip and you know we're trying to like raise a little hell and uh party and get loose and so they split off from the spokesman at some point and started the gang you were like right there in the beginning that's cool uh, a little bit after I think it got going, they were maybe going for like a year or two before I showed up. Um, we had uh, we had started a uh, documentary about the gang at one point in time, maybe uh, 2010, and uh, never got finished. But I've got some very, very, very sick footage from that. A lot of like really solid interviews from everybody talking about. Uh, origin stories and stuff like this that um, should probably try to revisit and maybe do something with at some point. Yeah, that'd be cool. Bring it back, dude. Finish it off. Uh, I'd like to. Especially I'd like to, but some of, the, some of the narrative of the story, though, was uh, about the wizard... And uh, we don't know where the we don't know what happened to the wizard, and so trying to get any follow up footage with him would be really hard to facilitate. Mm. So did you uh, did you still have a moped when you when you moved there, or did you like have no, to get no. a moped and start all over? No, I had a uh, I had an eighty two Corolla wagon. Um, that I had been traveling all over the U.S. in and had done a series of uh, film festivals and stuff in. And um, it had been in, uh, oh, I don't know, a bunch of like um, nationally syndicated newspapers and stuff and featured as part of the film festival and what have you. And um, 
I went to go do my laundry one day and uh, got pulled over in it and uh, had fictitious tags and no insurance or driver's license or any shit. And uh, they towed it. And um, I, I tried to go to the auction and get it back. But uh, I didn't know that you weren't allowed to bid on your own vehicle. And so, um, yeah, so somebody else ended up getting it. And then I was like, oh, shit, well, now I'm kind of like stuck. But all these homies down the street, they're doing all this moped stuff. So I just like, you know, reach out and see, you know, maybe they can point me in the right direction. Uh, And so I ended up getting uh, Peugeot 102 and um, had uh, Jono uh, help me get it fired up and back on the road and, um, timed and everything. And, you know, just kind of like, uh, held my hand through the whole shit. Um, I think that, uh, I think Nate Pilak was, uh, also around at that time and, uh, had built like, uh, some kind of like Ripper, uh, Moby. He had like a lay moped that was like all chopped out and real fast and stuff. And so he was around and, um, lending his assistance and stuff. And, uh, we got it on the road. And then, I mean, from that point on, it was like game, game on, you know, um, there's just something about the experience. You know, I always kind of felt like people that, uh, ride bicycles or skateboard or ride trains or motorcycles, mopeds, whatever, that they're, all kind of like intrinsically tied together. You know, there's something about the, um, the motion and the freedom that it affords that, uh, is like intoxicating and, uh, makes for lifelong passion for many, many people. Yeah. I definitely get that feeling. Like when, uh, when you like hop on a bike that you haven't ridden in a while or something and, it, you know, you just take off and just, I don't know. Like that's the whole talk we always have about the smile ride. It's like, it's hard to not get a smile on your face when riding a moped. Um, whenever I would let somebody mm, test ride a bike, you know, somebody come to like want to buy something from the shop, you know, they'd send them down the block and they'd come back with their eyes all watered up and like huge shit eating grin. Like you knew that they were definitely trying to take that thing home. Like, uh, some people just take to it naturally and love it right away. And then I think for other people, maybe, um, it's a little outside their comfort zone, you know, like segueing from like a bicycle to like, um, motorized bike is maybe a little intimidating, you know, like not pedaling the thing and having it necessarily under your own power, you know, um, the fact that it's motorized and that, um, there's that aspect to it, I think is a little off putting for people, uh, at first. And so some folks, they love it right away. And other folks are kind of like, eh, I don't know. I'll stick with a bike or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So after that, the, after that 102, and like you're hanging out with the boys, you guys are you know having a little thing going. Did you, would you did you fall like deep into it? Like, do you dive headfirst into the scene, or was it more like okay, cool, this is like a way to get around so I don't have a car? Uh, it was equal parts those things. Yeah, um, it was partial necessity, and then it was also um, 
a um, real community builder, you know, um, Jono and um, Ian Marzoni um, and uh, some other folks, they had all like rallied together to open the uh, first tread shed. And so people were just going and hanging out like all the time and working on bikes and being around bikes and stuff, you know, and, um, the more bikes I was seeing and, um, being made more aware of what they were capable of doing and the types of speeds they were able to achieve. And, um, all of this, the more I wanted to get another one and build something else. And so, um, it was with the guidance of all of these people, but with the um, very in- implicit help of Zach Evans um, turning me on to a uh, yellow maxi sport um, and getting that thing built. Um, that was like the, that was like the turning point really. Um, he let me have the frame and then Jono let me cherry pick all the garbage parts and then held my hand while we rebuilt a ZA for it and, uh, poured it out a stock Magnum cylinder for it and did all this kind of like, uh, in retrospect, pretty clacky, low end, uh, low rent, uh, garage shade tree tuning shit to it. And, uh, put like some like janky ass fucking welded together pipe on it. And like, um, that was like the taking off point though. When, when I rode that thing and it went like 40, I was like, Whoa dog. Okay. So it's like coming from like the one Oh two, you're like, all right, like single speed, non-variated, like, yeah. Yeah. To like a kind of half ass EA setup. Yeah. It was like night and day difference. And so I was like, right away trying to like put like some like goofy pony express bars on it and some like canvas saddlebags and like all the shit and was like <laughs> riding it to the train spots every day to like go mark cars and like uh riding it to uh school and stuff like uh through all seasons too like all winter fucking riding that thing um and then uh at some point um somebody gave me a like legit K70 for it that was missing a, a piston. And uh, they told me to call Derek to see if he had one. And so to this day, like all these years later, Derek is still saved in my phone as Derek Piston. <laughs> I love like I love that. Like if you put someone in your phone as something, it should never change. Like whatever they go in as, like it's gotta stay. I was oh, always it, he's yeah. I was always big on never guy. yeah, never like getting the last name. Like sorry, your name doesn't go in there. It goes in there whatever I decide it's gonna be. Which is normally like oh, just man. related to like how I met you or what the situation. Um oh uh I've got so many, I've got hundreds of contacts that it's like name and bike or whatever, or like, uh, like nickname or, um, when I first met Thomas, uh, he was just some guy I didn't know that was selling parts. And so he is still in my phone as Thomas Rando parts. Like 
you know, yeah, everybody has just kind of always stayed in the, you know, in in the phone the same way. But yeah. uh, I, w- I wish I could <laughs> just call some sometimes, because like, because like, especially the ones that I have in like under mopeds, like I have like a guy in here that's like Brent Brent Revival. So I'm like, ooh, I wonder if you could just call that guy up like ten years later, like, yo, bro, you still got the revival? I'm trying to come trying to come off that. <laughs> Uh, I've thought about that. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll like be looking for somebody's number and scrolling through. And then I will see like 50 people whose name is <laughs> blah, blah, Moby or something and be like, damn, that one. I wonder what happened to that one. They're like, dude, that yeah. bike was sick. Yeah. And like, dude, I put so, we put so many bikes out in the world that like, you think like, I, I thought more would come back to me. <laughs> uh, some of them I've wished to come back and then some I'm glad that I've never seen again. And, um, you know, like it's kind of wild to think that over the course of, uh, I guess better than a decade now, how many bikes that I've touched and put on the road and, uh, service repaired, tuned, sold, flipped, whatever shit. Just destroyed, thrown away. Um, uh, it, they're they're innumerable, and I, you know, and I know that there's other people out there that have been uh, doing this longer and in other uh, more in depth capacities and stuff, and yeah. um, have probably definitely uh, seen Pat, more so, yeah, than so I Pat have. But I mean, uh, I've definitely uh, t- touched quite a few of them. Some, sometimes I feel like uh, it's one of the things that's kind of bummed bum me out about uh, uh, about the thing. Really, kind of kind of takes all the piss out of it after a while. Yeah. What's uh what's what's one that you wish you could really get back? The uh, the kick snark. Yeah that that one really that one really hurt me. Uh, it might be my only like seller's remorse bike, to be honest. Um, all of the TSMs, I never really lamented. Uh, the handful of derbies or whatever. Um, the two limiteds, uh, also kind of whatever. I mean, Calder uh, got uh, my LTD uh, back. Um, so it is back in the, it's back in the stable now. So, um, so that one wasn't a wash and I don't really, um, consider that one to be, uh, lost out in the ether somewhere, but yeah, no, I really loved the, uh, I really loved the, the snark and, um, that was probably my favorite, favorite bike. Um, yeah, I mean, besides, besides, besides my bike now, um, that would probably have been the the one if there ever was a one, you know, I don't know. There's been many that I've like really uh, enjoyed and was kind of sad to see go, but none of them that I actually like ever like really like pined away for or something. I feel like that one too was like the most finished out of all the bikes you had. Like there's like something you said about us, like, you know, the trash bike and like the bike, you know, that's just ratty and does all the things it's supposed to do. And then there's something to be said about the one bike that you put the time and the love in to like really finish off. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only one that I've ever actually like gave a shit enough to like try to paint or do anything like that, you know, like that I actually like really, 
put any kind of thought into like the aesthetic parts of it or like any sort of shit like this, you know, like mechanically it was always like sound, but, um, <clears throat> you know, most of the bikes that I have, um, or have owned, um, including the one I have now are like, you know, cosmetically are kind of shitty, which, uh, I've always sort of preferred, you know, cause it seems like anytime you have a bike that is too fancy, it's like, you know, throwing a fishing lure out there on the street for somebody to see and like want to fucking clip it off the pole and take it home, you know? So if it looks a little rough around the edges, you know, chances are they don't recognize what all the performance parts are and shit on it. And, you know, they don't, they don't know that it's a ripper and that there's like, you know, two grand worth of parts on it. They just see that it's like a little rusty and, uh, you know, it's got some mis mismatched parts on it and colors and whatever shit. And so they're more, they're more apt to just like let it sit there than try to like fuck around and take it home. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to care as much about like, you know, the little bit of like nicks and dings and dents, you know, you get from like taking it places and riding it and locking it up and taking it to rallies and wrecking it. And like, you know, you, you care less about all that stuff when it's like you didn't put all the extra time and paint and all the stuff to begin with. Oh man, the fucking snark, we painted it and then loaded it on a trailer to go to New Orleans <laughs> and then got it off the trailer, you know, what, 10 hours, 18 hours, or however long it takes to get there. And then it was all fucked up already. So it was like, what's the point of even trying? You that know, was like, unless you're going to have a pickup truck and bring it in, you know, one, uh, one person, one bike. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like all bubble wrapped or yeah. something, you know, like the chances of it getting fucked up are pretty great. Like, yeah. um, um, I remember that one white line riders rally and, uh, that fucking nerd knocked over Beezy's Laguna uh, yeah. and blamed it on, blamed it on Moskowitz. And then, you know, that was like a huge deal because, you know, how many fucking Lagunas are there out there, you know, run, running around still with all the parts still on it and all intact and shit. And then like, you know, have some nerd fucking come over trying to look at it or sit on it or whatever he did to knock it over and then have it get all dinged up and shit, you know, like that's a fucking, that's a bummer. Like, I don't need to have something that's that nice and be like sweating it or like, you know, if something happens to it, I don't have to like, you know, stay awake late at night fucking being bummed about it. And then you, you get to avoid the whole like uh, getting all the horse blankets out when you're loading the bikes. I know we had those, that one or a couple, those, those couple of rallies we went to where we were like, there's like all the people with their nice bikes are wrapping blankets around them and like oh yeah all the extra time like yo guys come on man we got we got we got places to be <laughs> uh oh one one ratchet strap mishap and yeah you like fucked up everything like it'll just wear itself right through the paint like you know um yeah it's too time consumptive to care really and uh, uh also I'm apt to like just kick my bike off the stand too or fucking throw it in a ditch or hit it with a stick or yeah. who knows what so i think you did ghost ride the uh the snark into the bushes and, and at the buzzard rally one time um oh oh uh no i think that was uh i think that was that city bike that i built uh, yeah. for the for the pinball I think is what is what happened with that one. And Alex and, or someone um, was on the snark. Someone else was riding your snark, and you're like, God damn it! Like, yeah, somebody else had 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 my snark as a loner, and uh, I ended up 
like locking it up or something and then walked back to the rally spot and then um i ended up getting um alex steinman's uh maxi and then rode it halfway there to the to the halfway point like to the bridges or whatever mm-hmm. and then that thing shit the bed halfway to the meetup and so that thing i definitely was like you're going in the woods and <laughs> left it there and then uh i think i uh, i caught a ride with some like weird yes, fucking baby joe in a in a pickup truck and uh oh maybe we had her broke bike with us in the truck I don't know. I can't remember, but we were like going on the interstate next to those bridges. And then there was people down there. And I was like, Oh, yo, those are my people. And he's like, Oh, hell yeah, people. And he had out like a, like some kind of like a light bulb and like a big pen thing and was like knee driving and like smoking meth while we were going by <laughs> honking the horn and shit at him. I'm like, <clears throat> Only in the yeah, Carolinas. <laughs> oh, dude. That was a that was a wild one. Buzzards yeah. rallies were always like pretty pretty hyphy. Yeah, that was good. I remember like that was that rally. Got my I put my tent too close to the party. Hard lesson learned at the rally. Never put your close your tent too close to where the party happens. Because I just oh, woke up yeah. with all these all these fire mark all these like fire firework marks like burns in the top of my tent. And like random, uh, like I, oh, woke, yeah. I I tried to get in in the middle of the night. And like Dana and someone else were already passed out in there. I'm like motherfucker. Um, we, we stayed up all night raging at that one. And the last thing I remember from that, uh, rally was the sun coming up and us, um, shooting at stuff with a, uh, BB gun, me and, uh, maybe, uh, Danny Provincio and, uh, what's that Fudamaki guy, I think. Yeah, and, uh, some, somebody fucking shot out, uh, RIP John Gluth shot out John Gluth's rear window in his fucking, uh, Cherokee <laughs> while he was sleeping in there. Oh my and he was God. like sleeping in the back and glass, like showered all over him and shit. And like, Ugh. yeah, that was like, uh, <laughs> Whoops. Uh, that was an awkward one. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about. Yeah. Uh, uh, recently, proud, proud, kind of proud father moment, I think, should be for you. Because, um, like, the whole, like, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before. We've done this thing where, like, oh, dude, we went to this rally, or we did this thing, or we were on this ride, and Sean stashed his bike in the woods. Oh, we did this. They did the bake the pinball. I mean, they did the uh, the Transamerica Trail. Sean stashed his bike in the woods, and then recently we went to that rally down in Florida, and bike and uh, Brad's bike started fucking up, like in the middle of the ride. And he's like, "Don't worry, man, I got it." And he stashed his bike in the woods in the middle, like in the middle of nowhere, just in the and dark. It's just black and dark in the middle of nowhere. And he just stashed his bike in the forest and dropped the pin. And was like, "We're good. Leave it." <laughs> And I was like, Sean, uh, I was like, Sean, be so proud right now. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Oh, I, I always, I always leave them behind. Um, yeah. Several times I've just like left them in the woods at LTD that one year at the, I don't know if it was whiskey fall classic or the spring invitational. And oh yeah. When your forks exploded. Forks just came all apart and I crashed in the woods and then, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, beat it up with a big log and then threw it and then kicked Moskowitz off my snark and then rode, rode that out of there and left that one. 
the TAT crash on the Derby with Steve Brown, uh, when we had that, um, uh, uh, towing accident, he was towing me out of somewhere in New Mexico with, um, his DR and the tow rope got caught around, um, his, uh, rear tire and, uh, tow rope got sucked into the, to the wheel and got wedged up in between the wheel and the swing arm and, uh, catapulted us both. And then, uh, when the, my bike went flying, it broke the, it broke the motor mounts off. And so, you know, obviously, um, Derby flat read engineering, if you break the gear off of the motor where it mounts to the frame, you're kind of fucked. So you're out the game. Yeah. Yeah. So we just left that one out there too. And then, uh, had joked around, uh, for a while about like, Oh, we should, we should like make a treasure map or something. (laughs) And I'm like raffle it off or something like this. But, uh, I went back out there, uh, like maybe three or four months later and it was, it was still out there under some trees. Yeah. Me and Noah went out there and picked and picked it up one time. (laughs) Yeah. Like like years after the fact. Uh, it wasn't quite that long, but yeah, it was probably like three, four or five months, something. Yeah. It'd been, it'd been a while. It was out there. There was like a bunch of cow shit all over it. Dude. So, um, let's get back to Denver. Like, um, and then we'll, and then we'll hop on how you got to Virginia, but mm. so they had this red shit out there and they're doing the shop. Were you wrenching yeah. on bikes and like, were you selling stuff? And like, is that kind of where you got into like working on bikes and flipping and selling and all that. We had that first shop and, um, kind of out, outgrew it like pretty quick. Like there was like, it was very, very tiny, like maybe like, um, 12 by 30 or something like this. And, uh, and I don't think that there was a bathroom in it. I think we all just kind of pissed in this pile of frames around the side of the building. And like, there was like a small courtyard in the front. It was like fenced in and just like chalk full of carcasses, like frames just rotting away and wheel sets and swing arms and forks and shit. And it was like, we needed, we needed more room. And so the boys ended up securing like a, like huge, huge, shop like maybe it was like four thousand square feet or something and had like an upper like tier like mezzanine level um and so they got that and um everybody was like still like hanging out real tough and um i was like learning more and more and more and more and um going to school full time and so it was like real tough to be able to also like work full time while I was in school. And so I would like do little service gigs here and there for Jono or whatever. And like, you know, split the money or like, you know, maybe like get some kind of like easy fix and flip and, um, do that. And then, you know, paying a percentage to the shop or whatever and, uh, doing that pretty consistently for a while. And, um, it finally after like a year and a half or something it came to a point where i was like uh, okay i have to make a decision like um i either need to try to finish school and 
get some kind of, uh, you know, this like, uh, videography degree thing. And, um, was like looking at my, like prospects out there and, uh, in Denver, it's not real good. Like, um, you probably end up like, you know, sitting in a cubicle all day, like cutting wedding videos or, uh, shooting like fucking pawn shop commercials or something or like, uh, it just didn't look real good. And, um, you know, the student advisors and shit were all like, yeah, you know, chances are you probably need to be going back to LA or New York or Austin or, you know, somewhere else where it, uh, supports, um, uh, larger community for what you're trying to do. And none of those sounded particularly appealing. So, um, so I just asked Jono if I could like come on full time and then like, you know, have him, uh, basically like mentor me and, uh, show me the things that I needed to know and, uh, get me as, as learned as he could about how to do the thing. And, um, so I just started, just started going in full time. Uh, Derek furnished me with like all my first, like, uh, specialty tools, flywheel and clutch pullers and timing tools and all this sort of shit. And I just like went in like hundred percent started spending all my time on MA reading all the forums going online, reading all the like serious, like deep lurk old, like moped riders association shit. And like, just like real cutty, like QT only forums and like, um, uh, oh, spending hella, hella plus time on, uh, Myron's yeah. Myron's was like one of the sickest things ever. It still is like very, very sick. And I think, uh, underutilized, um, tool for people that are learning about mopeds and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I just like went in and like made it, uh, made it my job, like, um, hundred percent yeah. like, you know, learned as much as I could from all the boys in the gang and then taught myself everything else that I didn't know. Um, you know, um, uh, Graham Bell, um, two-stroke book was helpful to varying degrees. You know, like a lot of that shit is pretty technical and stuff. You don't necessarily need to know to be able to get a fucking maxi fired up, but, um, oh, the, percent, you know. the squish percentage and the fucking angle and your fucking, uh... Oh, is, um, your, is your is your pipe fucking singing backwards or something? Like, are you good? You got everything you need? Oh, I definitely know that uh, Derek Stahl has read that whole thing. Um, Dana, too, I know, has uh, read that. Mike Beasy, too, I would guess, has probably um, been pretty thorough in his pursuit of that. I mean, you know, like, anybody that's, like, master stats has yeah. definitely, like, consumed that. I remember... Fucking Josh having it on the on the shelf in the first shop, like in here, not the first shop, the you know the shred shed down in uh, School Street. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that book's on the shelf, and like I'd check it out every once in a while. Also, for those listening along, if you uh, if you weren't familiar with uh, Myron's, you can check it out. It's myronsmopeds.com. Like that's the site for all that information. Yeah, definitely check out Myron's. Um, if the site is still up. Too. I don't know if it still exists. It's been so yeah, long since yeah, I've yeah. looked at it. Uh, Moped right Junkyard. Oh, yeah, the Junkyard. Moped Junkyard was also really useful. Like, uh, I feel like they had, like, all the, like, uh, exploded diagrams and stuff that uh, 
had all the different part names and shit in there, you know? So it was like, you would take something apart and see it was broke, but not know what it was called or something. And so you'd be like fucking looking all over. And a lot of times I just go there, moped junkyard, you know, and like zoom in on these like really, really shitty fourth generation <laughs> copied, uh, you know, PDFs and shop manuals and stuff and try to try to figure out what the part numbers were and whatnot. And, you know, spend a lot of time uh, emailing people like uh, that guy too. You couldn't like ever like uh, you could never call him to ask about parts because that guy is like uh, deaf. So you would always have to correspond with him through email, which was like real frustrating because like you know it's hard to like mm, convey everything you need to through uh, an email about some like you know, uh, Weird part that you can't know how to describe. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, or tell him it's near the other thing that looks like this thing that is shaped like this near the, you know, whatever shit. Yeah. So without a picture um, or something. <laughs> yeah, that, for sure. And that site is still good too. If you guys want to check that out, it's a uh, moped junker.com. Uh, Oh, uh, handy bikes. RIP. Yeah. Handy bikes was definitely uh sick work too. That was like, um, some real good shit they also had like a uh like huge v1 pile and uh good derby stuff and like yeah yeah but yeah those guys were cool i wish i knew what happened to all that stuff yeah dude what so so what brought you out to virginia from did you come here straight from denver um i did yeah i did more or less um <clears throat> I knew that I wanted to move for a while and, um, I wanted to be somewhere back on the East, like, uh, closer to my youngins and, um, was like a toss up between Pittsburgh and, uh, Richmond. And, uh, I came through on like some like whirlwind tour shit, um, en route to Milwaukee direct from Denver and stopped in Chicago to catch a tail end of uh hot and ready's rally and uh went to milwaukee and hung out with my folks up there and whatnot and um was like mulling it over and started making my way down south went through pittsburgh and uh hung out for a couple of days there and then landed in uh richmond and uh it ended up being a more like a uh, turnkey thing. I didn't really know anybody in Pittsburgh. And so I had a lot of like uh train friends and stuff that were, um, living, um, Richmond. And, um, and so it just kind of like all like, uh, came together and clicked and, um, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be the place. Like, I really like it here. Um, it was real slow going though, because I was like totally broke and, uh, like living on my van and like all the shit. And, um, so me and, uh, good homie, Steve Rogers, we ended up going out to Kentucky for a while to go, uh, hang out with our buddy Gandhi. Um, his dad owns a, um, like a Zen retreat monastery thing out there out in, uh, Daniel Boone National Forest. Mm. And so we went out there and we hung out in the woods out there for a couple months and lived in a cabin, was like real remote and rural, no electricity or anything. And uh, um, went to uh, uh, one of the 
whiz biz, whichever one it was, that Corey rally thing that they had. Um, met the Baltards there and a bunch of other like East Coast folk. I think there was like uh, some Richmond folks that were out there too for that thing and um, hung out with all of them and uh, was like, okay, you know what, man, this Kentucky thing's really just not popping off. There was like already a dude there too that like kind of like half-assed did moped stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was like the idea of us like opening a shop there in Lexington was just not gonna you know it just wasn't gonna fly you know we'd be stepping on too many toes and like whatever um and so um yeah made made my way back to richmond and uh a buddy of ours um let us hang out for a couple weeks and while we were doing that i met a dude that was like renovating a house in uh, oregon hill and um we struck up a deal to do like a work trade thing moved into the house and then every day in front of the house somebody come riding by on moped and I'd like hear him coming down the block and be like, man, that thing sounds like shit. <laughs> uh, typically it was Moskowitz. Yeah. yeah. I'm like a fucking like some kind of shitty, uh, target TTLX. I think he had. And, um, one day I like flagged him down and we like got to talking and he was like, yeah, something's fucked up on my bike. And so he might've actually been the first like service gig that I had out there. That's tight. Yeah. Yeah, so I, like, worked on the sidewalk in front of the house for, like, months. Just, like, anybody that I met that had bikes, I was, like, you know, like, yo, if you need your shit worked on, you know. I think I was able to afford, like, a couple flips and did that and then worked on a few Mobies. Uh, I worked on some kid's uh, auto-engager E50 at one point. Uh, worked on some other shit, worked on one of them goofy Schwinn Stingray fucking, um, uh, clacker motor fucking bikes, DUI Christmas thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, saved up all my loot and, um, I'm not sure how I met, um, I guess kind of some of your homies, like all those straight edge kids were like having shows in that spot. Oh yeah. The, and, the original warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure how I met those guys, but um, they were like, oh, man, you know, you could sublet, you know, like part of the thing to do your shit or whatever. So I was like, OK, hell yeah, that sounds great. And so I moved into a little corner there. And then it was like a week after I did that, that they the fire marshal came and shut down their whole shit because they were having shows. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was a big, big no, no. So. Um, they ended up getting the boot, but I was able to like convince the landlord to let me like carry the lease. And so we like moved in that spot proper and then started subletting, um, Ragging moped, moped spots and yeah, the bicycle co-op and uh, a couple other, um, artist homies and uh, a friend that was doing like, um, massage therapy. And then, uh, oh, there was like those like fucking anarchist kids that wanted to have like a zine collective thing or some shit and i don't know just whoever was like gonna help like you know try to keep the lights on or whatever you know the rent was like pretty pricey over there it's Uh, crazy to see how like how how it changed how that like that transition because i didn't know that you were in there at that time because i've been there for shows but i didn't even notice like the whole moped thing happening in the corner mm mm-hmm yeah, it was like pretty like uh, 
pretty low key. We didn't really have a lot of infrastructure either. So I was like, I don't even know. I might have even been like working off of the ground or something. Um, I think at this point in time too, like all my bikes were broken. And so I'm like riding a bicycle to go work on mopeds every day. Like it was kind of a dismal sort of dark, dark ages for me, really <laughs> getting, getting the whole thing going. But, uh, once we got up and running, it really took traction and, and, um, um, people were just like coming out of the woodwork all of a sudden to like come and hang out and ride bikes or want to buy bikes or have their shit fixed or like, it just like, uh, it, it took off really quick and, um, meeting all the like rad people, um, in Richmond that were enthusiastic about the thing, like really helped like, uh, buoy up my motivation and my want to like continue to, to do it because I saw it as being like, a thing that was like, uh, good for the community. And although I knew I was never going to like, you know, fucking get rich off of it or anything, maybe I'd be able to like keep my lights on and, uh, keep my phone turned on or something, you know, and be able to do this thing that was like fun for me and also like provided, um, a place for other people to come and hang out and like do what they wanted to do too, because like, you know, uh, obviously a lot of people don't have garages or sheds or workspaces or, you know, whatever. And so, um, being able to provide an opportunity for folks to be able to come and like work on their stuff was like uh, pretty gratifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely yeah. saved me. Like it, it took me from having like five or six or some mopeds, like locked up to a fence in a parking lot to like having a place to like put them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, you were definitely one of the first people that I was like really enthused and jazzed on having around and like being a part of the thing because I saw that you had a very like real interest and a uh, passion for the thing. And then, um, being like, um, so gregarious and funny and affable and amicable i was like man this is definitely somebody that we should have around and so like um wanting to like have you be a part of the thing was definitely like real high on my list of priorities and then uh when you said yeah i was like okay cool hell yeah we finally have got like somebody that's like really fucking solid to be to be here and be involved and like be able to help other people and lend advice and um you know everything that like i'm not necessarily able to do like on my own yeah Yeah. business yeah or often do i want to actually like (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean there's no moped college so like (laughs) teaching teaching yourself all the shit is like tough enough and then somebody's like you know there's always like that person that's always just like kind of got their hand out for you to be like working on their shit or something, you know, and you're like, well, here's all the tools and here's all the info and I'll babysit you to do it, but you need to do it. And then they're like, yeah, you know, uh, what if I just like, you know, can I just bring you like a case of beer or something? Cost double to watch. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To help our watch. Yeah. Which one is it? Cause you know, otherwise it's gonna, it's gonna cost you, man. Um, yeah, no, no, those those were cool. Those were cool days. Um, I, I I enjoyed all that. Um, 
getting getting Vince on the team and um, meeting all the rest of the people that were uh, around town. Um, Dana and um, the the prophets meeting those guys and meeting some of the like deep lurk um, hell satans dudes that you might not see around all the time was pretty cool mm-hmm. um, meeting all the people that would eventually end up becoming the rebels you know that was neat you know they were real driven and wanted to be a part of the thing and you know uh, real helpful to the to the whole deal you know always like you know trying to get people uh, on bikes and taking them to their first rallies and stuff. And yeah, it was like, um, um, like that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't that know. was a wild time. Like that, those couple of years that when you were at that spot, it was like really popping off. Like, you know, the, you guys have the, had the, you know, just the team rando rally. Like, all right, cool. Like hell Satan's aren't throwing a rally this year. All right. Like, I guess we're, we're throwing one. So, you know. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um. That was a. Uh, that was a bit of a shit show. Yeah. Um. Oh, Tab, Tab Wiggins for sure. Yeah. yeah. Very uh critical, integral part of the scene. Um, Sal Rando, definitely Sal too. <clears throat> Him being around, um, he definitely shook a lot of hands and uh, talked to a lot of people and got people involved and wanting to hang out and stuff. Um, Thomas, uh, Josh, uh, all, all those guys really, you know, like going and riding out and um, hanging out at bars and shit too, you know, like people seeing you out in the world all the time and being curious about what you're up to and what you're riding and, you know, like uh, the Moped Monday group rides really uh, were important facet of yeah, yeah. our success down there too. Like, you know, like always making sure that we were getting together and hanging out as a group and like riding. And if the weather was shitty, wrenching at least or partying or talking shit or whatever was like, um, you know, that thing was like pretty, pretty critical to the infrastructure of the thing. And it was like super, con- it was super consistent back then. Like if you were around Richmond, like in that time period, like every Monday, there was something going on and people were showing up like regardless we we were having 20 people moped mondays just at people who lived here like most cities aren't doing that um yeah the the turnouts were real good um very consistent yeah so people always knew to like come and turn out because even if there wasn't gonna be a ride there there'll be some kind of shenanigans going down for sure so um The, the grill's hot ben's cooking undercooked chicken like be oh, ready. De- definitely <laughs> that for sure. Um, coming off of like epic rally weekends too. And then like getting back at like four in the morning and then just going right back into moped Monday, you know, like, yeah. um, that was always fun too. When you had stragglers that were with you too, like somebody that would like carpool or commute or something. And then they would hang over and then like, you know, spend moped Monday too. So it's like, you would like put off that, like, um, post rally depression for like an extra day by having moped Monday. It was like the rally never ended. You know, you're just like, uh, still hanging out, like still, still being a part of the thing. And then like going out and ripping and raging. And then post rally, post rally depression is a real thing, man. It gets, you can get in a bummer if you just got done having a good time with your boys for a couple of days. And now you're like back to the grind. Um, oh yeah, no, that is definitely, uh, very, 
very real thing. Yeah, serotonin levels get get real low, and so yeah, you spend the next couple of days kind of like in a fugue. Um, you know, maybe partially some of that though is like uh, being a little rueful ru- ru- or uh, rem- remorseful of all the fucking bad choices you made over the weekend. Uh, stretch that, stretch that, a little thin. Uh. Um, there was definitely some Tuesday mornings, like waking up on the shop floor with people trying to bang down the door, and I just be like, "No way, <laughs> nope not 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 today. I'm I'm laying out today. Yeah. Nope." Your boys rung out. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. I can remember a couple like really choice rally, post rally uh, hangovers that were like seemed to stretch on infinitely. Dude, uh, so another kind of th- weird thing, like what led to you bringing Black Black out this way? Was it you had the intention of already like doing a scouting thing on your way out, and, like? something planned or something that just kind of fell into place because of what was happening around you? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe both. Um, I was always operating under the auspices that, uh, being a part of a moped army branch gang, um, organization, whatever you want to call it, uh, club that it was like your duty to the thing to go out into the world to varying degrees to get people enthused about it and to continue engaging randos and getting folks, um, in the community riding and wrenching and being, being a part of the thing. Um, and so when I hit the block in Richmond and saw that all these people were riding and wrenching and stuff, um, you know, it was easy for me to, uh, spot the ones that I knew were naturals and that had a real, um, desire and drive and, uh, want to do the thing. And so, it just was like, um, um, it felt real easy to reach out to you and Vince, um, initially to want to bring you guys into the fold because, uh, I always knew that the two of you guys were always like bad guy gang material. And, um, could see that you were especially adept at what you were doing and uh, learned and skillful and had a desire to know more and um, were especially adept at um, using tools and um, stuff like this. And so, you know, I was like, man, well, what the fuck dude why not like you know i guess that there's like some kind of unwritten rule that um moped army branch gang can only exist in one town but i'm like i don't understand if that is a legitimate rule or if this is just some like hearsay or rhetoric shit or whatever but um i feel like these dudes should be a part of our thing and you know it was like fuck it i'm gonna reach out to them and see if they want to do it and if they do great if not then whatever 
But all of a sudden, it one equals two equals three equals four equals a whole team yeah, equals. We, we trickled up slowly. It was it was like you know one one me Vince, and like I remember like being at Vince's sh- shop that that one night when you you know I think that's when it got brought up and it was like Vince and their boys already had their own little garage they were renting they were doing the thing. I was doing a thing solo out of my house, like apartment, you know. And then, like, it kind of picked up and went from there. Um, yeah, that was um, that was like really cool, homogenous thing that just kind of happened and felt right. Um, and then from all of us hanging out and going to rallies and um, doing the thing and wanting to involve everybody in the community like that kind of like um ethos or like attitude what spread and was like contagious and other people saw what we were doing and thought that it was cool and so that there you know there was these other gangs that had been around for a while and um you know maybe their teams were kind of like um calling off a little bit or like not as organized or like maybe not doing as much as they could. And so some of these other people started reaching out to be like, Hey, what's up? Like, I think our ship is going to fold or whatever, you know, you, you'd be able to make room for us on the squad. And so, um, you know, I've been telling the, the Baltards ever since, um, I met them. I was like, well, back then, I don't think that we got that acquainted. Um, I feel like I met Evan and Chris Schatz, but um, our meeting was like real short and terse because uh, I had broke my arm on the way to the rally in the last turn. And so I was like kind of fucked up on pain meds and been partying with the boys all night. And then uh, like, I can't remember if it was the feds, like the DEA or the ATF or I don't fucking somebody like came in and was like raiding all these camps and like uh, those guys were like throwing all their like weed out in the woods and shit and so it was like our like our initial meeting got busted up by like these like fucking narcs coming through and like um, it wasn't until like um, I don't know like maybe six months after that that we um, were hanging out again. They like came through for our, uh, that rando rally. And we went up there for, uh, their, um, the shore side, short, shore side, slow ride and, uh, really hit it off. And, you know, I was like telling them then I was like, man, you know, if you guys like keep pushing and like try to get into MA and they fucking say, no, I was like, I will talk to the boys and we'll just like conscript you guys fucking whole hog because like what you're doing is really sick you know they were like on the same trip like they were like trying to ride and wrench and like be really tight buds and get other people engaged in the thing and like you know they were doing everything right and um it seemed like a bummer to me that they wouldn't ever be able to like i don't know i hesitate to say receive any kind of accolades for that but like just so they wouldn't be represented as fucking being like you know, um, the right people to accept you or the right number. Cause it was like, yeah. especially back then too. So a lot of that West coast had the power. And if you didn't see these people, cause their gangs were big enough to like block people from getting in then like you weren't getting in. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I, and I feel like I can't remember if it was them. Yeah. I don't think it was them. Maybe it was the beans. 
I feel like the beans tried to apply a couple times and got shit on by uh, West West Coast dudes. And so, uh, so it was the same thing. So when uh, Steve and Josh reached out to me, I was like, man, these dudes are fucking like legends in yeah. my eyes. I was like, dude, these guys have been like fucking wrenching and riding and tuning since they were like fucking Teenagers, kids. Dude, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I was kind of dumbfounded actually, because I was like, man, here we are like this burgeoning, like, um, like branch gang from the main club. And then here's these like fucking like legend fucking dudes being like, yo, what's up? Can you fucking find us a spot on the team? And I was like, fuck yeah, absolutely. And so like, you know, I broached that with uh, the mother club and they were like all enthusiastic and said yes. And so they came on board. Um, Andrew from the treats um, moved to Philly and then, um, you know, the treats black, black connection is uh, very strong. And so um, Andrew was um, a shoe in. So uh, he ended up <clears throat> on the team Um the uh, Bang Gang was also very, very fucking cool and hella cutty and into all the right stuff and doing like all the fucking cuttiest, dirtiest, nastiest, <laughs> gnarliest, most fun stuff ever. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> when Andrew suggested that we uh, scoop Cornell, uh, that was another natural move for us. Um, they're one of the best that's ever ever played the game and so um building the team and um fostering the thing on the east coast it would it just kind of like it just kind of happened i don't think that i necessarily like set out to like come out here and be like hey let's fucking try to like uh, expand the fold you know with all these people you know because that wasn't my intention um but it just kind of like happened that way. And I don't feel bad about it either. And I don't care how many butt hurts it's caused or how many people have like talked shit about, Oh, like you guys are not even in the same city or something because fucking blood is thicker than water. We don't need to be in the same city to be on the same team, be on the same page and want the same things in our lives or for the community. So yeah. what's it matter? I mean, I've seen shats more in like the last three months than I have in like the last three years. You know, he, he, um, was in rich, he was in town today. Like, you know, we went and fucking took it easy. We went and saw some fucking Sunflower Festival, you know. Uh, I'm trying to go see Krishaps next weekend. Um, also, legend, legend tuner, Krishaps. Yeah. That dude has owned so many fucking bikes and worked on so many different things and gotten so many people involved in the thing and captained that gang and... You know, um, mopeds on the East Coast would be lacking without Chris Schatz. He's fucking truly one of a kind, one of the one of the best ever, we for definitely, sure. Definitely yeah. have a bunch of we definitely have a bunch of hitters from the East Coast for sure. <laughs> um, oh, perfect timing, Angel. Oh my lord, I'm man, on. dude, these guys would be lost out here with without her and her guidance and her help and all of the fucking rallies and fun times and things that she has put on by herself or been a part of or help oh, yeah. plan or facilitate or my, my lord yeah the amount of work that she has put into the scene is fucking undeniable um also one of the best fucking nicest um most earnest people you'll ever meet also one of the most knowledgeable 
but I've ever known. So, oh. um, you guys want to know shit about uh, Minarelli? Check out the wiki on Moped Army because uh, Angel pretty much wrote it. Oh my lord, perfect yeah. timing! <laughs> but, dude, like, um, it's also cool because it's like that whole time and like joining the club and like prospecting or whatever you want to call it, like. For me, during that time hanging out with you in the shop and stuff, it was like I never felt like I was prospecting for a club. I felt like I was hanging out doing the same shit I would have been doing anyway, but with friends. And it wasn't ever like, yo, you have to do this, you have to do that. It was like, yo, do this. And I, it was something I could learn or something I could do. Like, oh, I've never ported a motor before. Oh, I've never case matched this thing before. Oh, I've never like opened up an E50 to fit a Pliny or a Gila or something like, you're like, Oh, well, here's my shit that I put my money into. And like, I need your help here. You do this. And, um, uh, I also like, we haze the shit out of Connor Costello. And, um, man, I don't, Dana told me one time you make a lot of bad decisions with your first child. And so, <laughs> You know, I didn't want to come out there and have that be part of the thing. Um, I did, uh, well, Vince's bike in a box. I mean, I did fuck him up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he was wearing a dress. He was drunk off his ass. We were firing fireworks at him while he was building a moped in a box in a tent. I mean, it was a lace, it was a lace teddy that I found in the, in the gutter. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I did fuck with Vince a little bit. Um, but otherwise, you know, it was like, that whole thing like seemed like real, uh, what's the word? Like fraternal, like, you know, that's like some yeah. fraternity shit. Like, you know, like I wasn't trying to like paddle anybody or do anything. Like, you know, the rules are too, you couldn't make somebody do something you wouldn't do yourself. So fucking Dana's trying to get Noah to shove a bunch of habaneros in his fucking underwear <laughs> and he wouldn't do it. So Dana did it first. And fucking, I mean, there's nothing. Know. I still have that video somewhere. Dana taking the taser to the balls. <laughs> um, Dana fucked a box fan into pieces, dude. <laughs> and I woke up on the floor in the shop one morning and was like, what the fuck happened last night? And looked around and there's broken fan parts everywhere and didn't understand what had happened. And then uh, I think maybe Tab showed up later that day and he was like, man, you guys were really turning up last night. And I'm like, well, man, I don't even know what happened, dude. I woke up on the floor next to a broken fan and he was like, yeah, you don't remember how that fan got broken? <laughs> And he just like whips out his phone and shows me this video, dude. And I was like, whoa, man, shit got real, real weird last night. You know, sometimes you got to show a prospect that it's okay to just uh, stick your dick in a box fan. Sometimes you got to get weird. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to hurt forever, but you know, uh, I always was, uh, um, I was always more of the type that believed that you should instill morale, lead by example. And so I didn't ever want to make anybody feel like um, we were trying to like uh, test their mettle in the way of like, oh, how brave or stupid are you or something. I wanted to know that you guys could like hold your own and work and wrench on bikes and fucking like we go to a place and fucking, you know, be proud of the things that we have made and like know that they fucking run good and that, you know, that we're all like capable mechanically. Um, and that, that love for each other and camaraderie was there. 
And it wasn't just a bunch of like randos coming in because they felt like it was like some like cool social fucking club or something. And then they just like fucking fade away after, uh, you know, six months and you never see them again, you know? And so, um, uh, I like to think that I wasn't too much of a fucker to anybody, but I don't know. Maybe I was. No, it was good times. And like, I don't know. Another thing I feel like we were doing that was like different or maybe not different, but like we we're so accepting for like trying to encourage people to come to rallies. Any rando where we're just like, yo, you want to go get in the van. You want to go to this rally, get in the van. Like we're going regardless who, who's trying to come with us and just showing well, up super deep to like everything we were going to. Well, <clears throat> it was one of the things that we did in Denver that I didn't, really get behind all the time. I mean, there was definitely people where I was like, these dudes are fucking kooks, man. Like, fuck these nerds. Like they should not be coming around for X, Y, Z reasons, you know, but it was like, um, most of the people were like, just, you know, kind of innocent and naive about the thing. And then we would just like totally bad guy gang out and like scare them away or like, make a random left turn while they were like ripping too hard on their first kitted maxi and fucking leave them on the ride or something, you know? And like, we kind of like shunned and ostracized the, the randos out there. And so, uh, even though randos kind of bum me out, I mean, again, we come back to the idea that you're supposed to like foster and nurture the community. And so, Sometimes randos pan out and sometimes you got to fucking chase them off, dude. You know, could be fucking homeboy Rustich. You never know. <laughs> I need more help for free. Oh, fuck that nerd. Homeboy Russ, if you're listening, you fucker, you owe me a bunch of money still. And I don't care about your rap record that's dropping with fucking <laughs> Eminem on the track or whatever you're doing. Dick. Yeah, I got no clue what he's doing. Rapping for yo, <laughs> yo, big big up to COP Daryl and Jimmy Juke for fucking saving that kid for me, kicking him out in a fucking blizzard, Ugh. and just fucking making him walk out of the shop, fucking in a pair of shorts. Yeah, that's yeah. So I think great. I think I saw the other day that there's like a video. I don't know where I saw it, but I've got a video somewhere of like Nigel and a bunch of dudes like trying to work on his bike while he's just like talking about his like burgeoning rap career and like um this like six hundred dollar pair of jeans that he had with him or something yeah for clout yeah yeah like some kind of like cutty clout chasing thing that none of us cared about uh yeah i don't know that guy was a real nerd that is also like a whole like um part of the what do you want to call this the moped army uh pantheon or legacy or whatever like the home home homeboy russ saga yeah on there never 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 go away that one the the swoop versus swoop battle um there's been some like real epic ones man over the years for sure uh i remember a long time ago there was like some like I guess it started off kind of friendly rap battle thing that like got heated up like super quick and, uh, people starting to get like real butt hurt about the raps that everyone was making about their gangs and stuff. And, um, I remember telling somebody, uh, maybe it was like a puddle cutter, I think, uh, 
that he couldn't fix a Makuni with a Bing jet or something. And he came back at me like, uh, without some like rap battle shit and said some sideways shit to me. And I fucking like lit him up and then got put on restriction. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, I got yelled at. I got grounded from the internet for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I, I try to. I, I try to. I try to stay off of there and not mix it up with the randos because that fucking website, man, be getting me like too heated up. I get too incendiary reading that shit because uh, again, here we go. I thought it was about fostering the community, but like everybody on there, you know, except a handful of people, ever try to be helpful. You know, wrong forum, idiot did you read the wiki? You know, like all the shit. And it's like, man, just fucking just lend, lend a hand. If you can lend a hand. I mean, I never really contributed too much to the website per se in that regard, like in the <clears throat> tuning forums and shit like this, because I felt like I was already doing my part on the ground, yeah. like actually helping people and not just like talking to them on the internet. Like yeah, um, you're definitely boots on the ground there for sure. Um, yeah, just, uh, it got to a point too, where I just like, uh, I don't even know how many years ago it was now, but I just, I like, I got too fed up with all the shit going on there people bickering all the time and gangs mad at each other. And like, just so much, like, kind of like bad, uh, awkward shit and, um, things going on within it that were mirroring, the other like kind of counterculture scenes that I'm involved in that was just like, man, if I'm around this any longer in this kind of capacity, it's going to completely fucking kill it for me. And so I just like, I, I told the boys like, I'm going to like bow out of the thing and like, um, retire from MA, I guess, whatever. So I just, I told Simon, just put me on the fucking retired roster and, whatever is whatever. I don't really care. Um, you know, you don't, you don't quit black, 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 black quits you. I'll never quit the gang, but moped army. I don't, I don't really need, I I appreciate it for what it is and for the knowledge that I was able to glean from it. But, you know, um, being a part of the whole thing, it just seemed like some sort of like, um, uh, Social club pecking order. Weird. I don't know. It no. just was not not something I wanted to be a part of anymore. Yeah. I also feel like it's one of those things. Like if you spend your time engaging in negativity and like bickering and arguing and letting drama consume you, then that's the path you're going to go down, and it's not going to end well. It's going to bum you the fuck out. Like I don't engage yeah. in fucking. I don't. You ask my fucking wife, I or anyone, like I don't argue anymore. Like, cool, you want to get mad about some shit? Cool. I'm gonna walk away. I'm not gonna deal with it. I'm not engaging in your drama. Like, I got my mm. own shit to worry about. There's definitely more important things in life than like whatever bullshit that's getting you hot right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely that aspect to it. Um, where, uh, a lot of times I, I mean, I, I will get heated like pretty quick too. And then like be ruminating on it for like days. And I'm like, dude, this is just not, yeah, just, just not worth it. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy behind the thing too. Like, um, 
you know, it's like uh, being in like punk or hardcore circles or um, skateboarding, train riding, any of the other shit that I'm into where there are like um, fucking just shitty people that are involved in the thing that like just forever get a pass for being fucking shitty people. And um, you have to like you have to make a decision whether or not you become like a crusader against that sort of like um, mentality and like um, being pitted against these people and being in the thing and like trying to band together with everybody else to like rally around to um, see a more like a just environment for people to be a part of, or like just like completely distance yourself from it. And it's like, although I recognize the problems that, um, exist, like, man, I just can't, uh, there's only so many hours in the day, man. And at the end of the day, like, I can't, I just can't go energy on that. I mean, it's not a waste if it ends up in a success, but if it's not successful, then I mean, what have you done? You've like ostracized a bunch of people. You made everybody mad. You've done all this shit. And at the end of the day, this fucking asshole person is still a part of the thing. So it's like, how do you, uh, how do you win at the thing? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I guess that I wish that more, more gangs were accountable for, their um housekeeping i guess there's a maybe an app app word for it uh and uh it should be every game's responsibility to yeah to make sure that this sort of shit isn't happening and like if you're like standing behind these people when there's like all this like very real like evidence of them being xyz number of bad things that they could be which it runs a gamut too it could be any number of things that at this uh point in time like then you should be evaluating like your own shit and you should be thinking about like uh why are you like standing behind these people and like you know letting them continue to be a part of your thing let alone moping army as like a whole you know yeah yeah kind of a bummer but um uh, you know my my finger hasn't been quite on the pulse for like the last couple of years so i really have no idea like what's going on out there every once in a while i like hear about like uh branch reviews or something and um i have periodically heard about gangs where i'm like man those guys sound cool as fuck i hope they get in and i don't know if they do or not or how many gangs are in ma anymore or yeah. a lot of new clubs like any of that a few new ones last couple of years and there's a lot of a lot of new like team random clubs out there Fucking mm-hmm. sloths, fucking kickstand boys, fucking <laughs> that fucking. Uh, there's a lot of fucking shit going on out there, dude. Bunch of new clubs. Huh. But um, uh, I hope that there's a club that um, solely tunes Tomos boat motors and farm <laughs> implements. Like that would be cool. Like um, the other day we had a. Um, some kind of weird two-stroke lawnmower and uh it was in the shop and we did a quick uh moped army search um uh me and uh andy and um uh mark gertner it was like going to be a like moped night one hour challenge was to get this lawnmower running again and we did a quick like uh google search and there was a moped army thread that like popped up on this fucking lawnmower like somebody posted the ma hey i got this weird two-stroke lawnmower shit does anybody know anything about it and like, that's crazy. 
yeah it was yeah it was real it was real weird to like think that like um how far the the net has been cast like <laughs> wide wide it, reaching it, it, yeah, yeah. Thomas Boat Motors, though. That'd be tight. I'd, do, I'd, I'd, I'd be into that group. I still think it'd be sick to do, like, I know we talked about it when we were, like, really trying to ramp up for Wet Wet. We were trying to talk about doing, uh, like, a Tomos motor for, like, a paddle boat. Oh, yeah. I was like, dude, mm-hmm. that'd be fucking sick. Let's get a paddle boat for cheap. Fucking Tomos motor that bitch. Um, yeah, I thought about that. Um, I've also thought about making, um, like, a rail cart the last couple of years you know you like make a little uh, cart that runs runs down the abandoned train tracks or something that would be like powered by some kind of yeah. moped application yeah cool. um i feel like some kind of uh like by bike or like derby start motor would be sick you know some kind of like electric start mm-hmm. uh dual variated shit you know yeah uh would probably be like pretty cool to do something like that with yeah, um, that sounds ideal. Something electric start to make it a lot easier. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. You know, unless you did like a, you know, some kind of pulsar conversion thing or something, which you could, you know, you could make that work as well. Yeah. Uh, just figure out the gearing and shit and like, yeah, rip it. That, that'd be fun. Um, Dude, uh, let's, um, are always going to be cool, but like, uh, I just, I feel like there's a it plateaued, like, years before i was like probably even that active like there's only so much that you can do there's only so many parts that are made there's only so many like goofy fucking chopper bobber cafe coffee cruiser fucking (laughs) beach boy fucking builds that you can do and different fucking dumbass things that you can accoutrements you can clack on it and chrome bits and pieces and this and that and like powder coated whatever shit's like you know, like, I, I don't know, like, uh, it's still fun, I guess, for people to be able to do that. But it just it doesn't seem like that it's going to be any more like mm, inventive, I guess. You know, like, um, w- what else is there out there? I mean, there's still there's some new things going on. There's like the that weird Florida drag scene going on where they're like using nitrous and fucking meth- methylene gas and just drag stripping for cash. Like that's okay. that's a pretty interesting scene popping off right now. Oh, um, that seems cutty and cool. Oh, um, dude, cash cash on the barrel head, fucking like more money than the mopeds worth. Yeah, we got fifteen hundred on this on this drag race that lasts fucking you know a couple seconds. Like that's pretty tight. Um, I saw that like um, uh, maybe it was Milwaukee has got like fucking big mini bike scene. I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Um. Before I left Denver, I saw like a mini bike gang one day. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, you know, I don't know. There's uh, there's shit going on and stuff that's cool. I always thought it would be neat to uh, do one of those like super performance tuned um, contest uh, chainsaws. You know, <laughs> where it's like got like a got like a little mini pipe on it and shit and it's all like fucking revved out with like a 17 bing on it you know and then they like have to like quick cut a couple like uh rounds off a log or something you know like uh that that would be that would be neat um dude speaking uh, of like different moped stuff then like let's kind of dive into the uh the first pinball run since you were like a part of that yeah because that was like a game changer at, at for the time you know 
Like they're still stomp, you know, still kicking out. Especially now, since like the Baker's dozen run just ended a couple weeks ago, and Richmond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess that it's just uh, the same thing. Like I was just trying to like <clears throat> think about something that would be uh, uh, different and. You know, here's the thing was that it wasn't never supposed to be a contest. Um, like I was just like doing like all this like cutty research and stuff and um, deep internet lurking and reading all these things about people that had done like epic, epic like um, cross country moped rides and uh, was like super intrigued um, by that. Um, I remember two specifically. One I think is about a guy that rode a Moby across Canada. Oh yeah, we had him on and, the podcast. Uh, oh wow, really? Yeah. The guy that like kept the whole journal and shit and was like talking about like, oh, day thirty-eight. Um, I've noticed that the exhaust is falling off and blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah, you know, it was like, like some shit French bike or something. <laughs> he like had a bunch of stuff strapped to it. And yeah, the strapped to it. Breaking as he's going and fixing shit and camping and like. Yeah, yeah, man. that was like really cool. Yeah, I, I read, I read that and was like, man, this seems so sick. Um, and then I feel, I think that it was before we planned the thing. I don't know. My memory is kind of hazy on it, but uh, there was like a dude that rode a, uh, maybe it was like a Doc Chow or a Bravo or something across the I-10 corridor, like from Jacksonville, like straight across to LA, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just like, I was like thinking about um, these guys and these like epic, you know, trips that they'd done on mopeds and thinking about like, man, like what is the amount of endurance that a moped could withstand or like how far could you ride one or like anything like this. And so I started like looking at things like um, on the internet that would be like, you know, like Route 66 or something or like um, uh, what's the other, uh, US 41, you know, like Florida all the way up to like Michigan or um, something like that. Iconic roads in the country. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, but like doing it like more as like a, um, um, like a, like a fun run thing. Like you would, you would go and, um, a bunch of people would like strike out on the thing and then like try to run it all together and you would go, um, ride as far as you wanted in a day and then stop and camp or like go like, see some sort of like natural feature or um, uh, monument or iconic spot of uh, Americana or some shit, right? You know? Mm -hmm. And so I had the idea for a little bit and we, we had some kind of thing at the shop and I feel like uh, Baltards were there Evan and Chris Schatz, uh, Angel, I'm pretty sure was there. 
And then I feel like the beans were there too, and okay. Rob 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 Burrito came with them. Like that? Oh, it was like the the V one rebuild weekend or some shit we did. Oh, Megarelli weekend? <laughs> no, no, I think it was something that was not Megarelli weekend, but similar. I can't remember what it was, but we were like all like you know up too late and <clears throat> talking shit, and I brought this up. And everybody was like really heavily into it. And, um, it somehow morphed into becoming a contest thing, which I wasn't too hyped on, but thought that if enough people were behind it, um, as a contest, we would probably get more people involved to do it than just like, Oh, let's take the time off work to just go and like try to ride mopeds um across the country or something, you know? Yeah. Um and so we we like started like a little planning committee thing and uh we're discussing the uh, options or whatever and we picked uh uh route 1. So from Maine to Florida and um started putting all the pieces together and figuring out the whole shit and all the stops and how it was all going to play out and, uh, what the qualifications were for the bikes and, you know, just like the, the whole shit. Um, treats came on board as a sponsor, of course. And, um, uh, we lined up a bunch of people. There was a huge, huge, um, um, outpouring of enthusiasm for the thing and people that wanted to participate. Um, and so I think, uh, um, you'd have to fact check me on this, but I think at the, uh, starting day that there was like 20 riders initially. Um, and so it was like, um, it was pretty cool. It was a fun time and a hell of an experience. Um, for sure. There's a lot of things about it that I didn't particularly like and why I didn't want, um, to participate in the facilitating and planning and organizing of the second one, but, um, it was definitely a precedent setter. Um, and I'm glad that, um, that I'd come up with the idea and that all these other people were enthusiastic about trying to help, uh, put it together and, uh, whatnot. Um, and it was a great time. I, I think that everybody that went, um, would agree that, uh, this was like a one, once in a lifetime uh, opportunity. I mean, I know that there's been others since this, and uh, you know, who knows? The um, there probably should be a documentary about it at some point uh, to really get the gist of the the whole thing and the uh, all the wild tales that have happened over the last you know however many years that uh, it's been going on. Who's gonna but, follow uh, it that, up, dude? Get get that get that thing on Fusion or something. Um, anybody that cares enough to look for it, um, the video that Mike Beasy did is incredible. Uh, it's still one of the best moped videos, in my opinion. Um, new order soundtrack, everybody riding, wrenching, wiling out, having a good time. Like it really captures the whole spirit of the thing. It misses a lot of the getting pulled over. And, um, uh, there are some breakdowns in it, but it misses some of the good breakdowns, the good accidents, uh, 
a couple people crashed pretty good on that one. Um, uh, there's a couple of things in there that, um, that are missing from it rather. Um, but, uh, absolutely one of, one of the best moped videos, not just about the pinball run or like moped racing or whatever, but just in general, really. Yeah. Um, I wish I could remember Mike's blog. I, I can't even remember how to find it. Like I remember I used to have it saved as a bookmark on my old computer. It's called home alone with mopeds. There you go. Check it out. Every Everybody should check that out. Um, you want to learn something? Damn. Start at the beginning. Read all the way through the last post. Yeah, that was like um, one I used to have saved in my bookmarks. Dude. I used to like check his shit out all the time. Uh, that that guy. Wow. Jeez, Louise. Uh, talk about the amount of bikes that somebody's worked on and oh, wrenched on. Yeah. Know, knows something about um, him and um, uh, oh Nash Wiley both uh, just an, an enormous amounts of um, information and um, too much to even like try to try to take in really um, both, both of those like, guys Blatt like when no one cared like Vespa's like hot right now when no one cared about Vespa's Fucking Mike was like scooping them up for like fifty dollars a pop, and like had a horde of Vespas that he was just like swinging. Um, yeah, that's uh, how I learned that the first thing you want to check is the fucking uh, that stupid ground wire thing coming out of the case. You know, like, like, what do you do about that? Like, first thing out the gates, you know that that wire is going to be completely fucking smoked and fucked up and is likely going to be the cause of your um non-running issue so like yeah that's covered in there um also like maybe one of the first people to talk about how to press out um moby bushings and shit like how to make your own like little cutty tool out of some fucking sockets and a, a piece of like uh all thread or some shit you know like uh yeah and and it's mike easy so it's fucking funny as hell oh yeah yeah, yeah, real good shit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Pinball Run was cool, man, and uh, I no no regrets there. And um, I'll leave all the rest of the politics and shit out of it, and uh, not not talk about that now. But uh, yeah, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And um, so we ended up boycotting the next year to try to do the TAT instead. Yeah, the the the, the redemption story. I don't know if they were called redemptive at one. Uh, no, nobody actually made it the whole way. So, yeah. so this, uh, this is definitely like one I, I wish I could. I really want to revisit this another day too where we have like a full like powwow episode just on the TAT with like, you know, a couple of different people that were involved with it because like that's a really big – to me still that's like a big deal in mopeds. Like no one else is like really – tried to take that on and do something so extreme like Justin Mopeds. Like anyone can go uh, like it, race on a go-kart track, but like it seemed uh it seemed way more ridiculous than the pinball and seemed way more unattainable, which it ended up being. Um but uh yeah, that was that was also another very, very, very epic um, experience and with a very solid group of people 
and um, guys that are very knowledgeable in what they do and very skilled. And um, you want to explain to them what the TAT is for those who don't know? Uh, Trans America Trail, depending on who you talk to, um, either starts in Tennessee or um, alternately starts in North Carolina at the coast and then goes um, mostly off-road um, utilizing um, state, federal land, um, fire roads, uh, cutty cow paths, all kinds of different trails and stuff and winds its way across the nation and ends in uh, Oregon. And uh, so I had like read about it, I think on um, ADV uh, riders, the adventure motorcycling like forum and uh, instantly like heard about it and was like, yep, that's, that's definitely the next thing. Like, you know, we've been like riding mopeds off road with like stock suspension and tires and shit and rednecking on moped Monday for so long that I was like, man, with a proper build and gearing and shit, man, like you could definitely do this, you know? And, uh, the more I researched it, the more I was finding that nobody had done it on like smaller displacement bike than like some, uh, leaf and like, uh, shits like whatever they were, uh, hundos or 125s or whatever shit that they make them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, damn, if we performance tune these bikes, the biggest kid out there is probably going to be, you know, 70 unless somebody builds some kind of wild Minarelli BRN 90 thing or some shit. So we should try to do it. And again, reached out to the community and there was a lot of people that were enthusiastic about it and wanted to do it. And so, uh, with the help of um, you know shitload of people, um, uh, we were able to facilitate the thing, um, buy a chase vehicle, um, outfit it, get everybody to meet up in Tennessee, and uh, we tried to tried to rip the whole thing. And uh, uh, unfortunately, before time and money ran out, we only made it as far as uh, Colorado. <clears throat> Um, but they all did like app. really, there was a lot of prep y'all put into it. Like it wasn't just like oh, month, willy nilly. They month. didn't, ju- they didn't just plan like, Oh, well, let's go do this. We got this. Like everyone really built bikes for this kind of event or challenge. I would say adventure. Um, all of the bikes were pretty sick and, I know that uh, Alex Grow's bike, uh, from what I glean off of the internet, was like still running like not too long ago. I think he might have finally rebuilt it, but um, I think that his bike is still together, which I think is, um, uh, I might have to be corrected on this, but I think it's a Jawa Supreme, maybe, uh, clacked onto a water cool Hobbit. Um, that thing was very cool. Uh, Willie Caldwell had a, um, derby with maybe like a start three motor or something. Um, Rick's bike was the wildest in, in my opinion. Um, he had, um, Corrado frame, 
clacked onto a Honda NU50. Um, and that thing was like, uh, just really wild. He still has it. And, uh, well, I'd seen him ride it like a year or two ago. Um, that thing was really crazy. Um, I had, uh, uh, Derby, um, that I took, um, with like, you know, like some stupid, like a CR80, like front end or some shit that I clacked on it. Um, trying to think of the rest of the bikes that we had. Um, we had like some other kind of like a, like a Derby, um, uh, pyramid read that was like a backup bike that was just like on top of the bus that we had like dragged along with us. We had that. Um, that dude, uh, wild card had yeah, some, it was like, yeah, some kind of hobbit thing. I think that was like fucking up the whole time. And like, um, he had that, um, one of the, uh, maybe it was that guy, uh, dead ped Ryan, I think, uh, he like showed up at the start of the thing, like him and some other guy on like some Vespas and like, so they rode out with us from the starting point and then like hit a couple like water crossings and then like shit it out. Like, you know, like at the beginning of the thing, waterlogged their bikes and then we just like kept ripping. Um, and bad. so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sure what happened because we just kept ripping. <laughs> so, yeah. I think Brett, sorry, dog, but <laughs> Brett, Brett had like that, like, uh, I can't remember what the bike was, but it had like the, um, like a kid's pretty dirt sure bike motor. A, um, pretty sure it was a Gorelli, uh, Gorelli Monza with a, uh, dual variated Marini motor that they used to sell on treats. Pretty sure is what that thing was that he had. And, um, he he finished the thing. I can't remember where he started, if they actually started in Tennessee and they rode all the way out to Denver and met us, or if they met us in Denver and he rode the second half, but uh uh he did go to the he did go to the end. Yeah. Him him and his uh him and his gal I think did that. Yeah. Um yeah, that was also, gonna, they were also like the first people to give me that like make me get like obsessed with like rooftop tents and shit. Like I was like, they had the setup for it. They were like, Oh, mm, the Jeep, mm-hmm. the rooftop tent, the bike rack oh, yeah. on the back. I'm like, all oh, like, sure. like, cool. This is your rally whip that you don't have to worry about taking a bunch of people with you. Just go do the thing by yourself. And you're all like sustained alone. Yeah. Our shit was not like that at all. We were like, uh, camping next to like the fucking dumping ground for like, um, off season deer hunting where they'd leave all the carcasses and shit, like sleeping and fucking like, uh, underneath like, uh, plastic tarps and shit. And like, um, our, our scene was not so illustrious or like, uh, uh, as fun, as fun as his was, I don't think, but, uh, I mean, we, we made the best of it. There was like definitely like some cool highlights to that thing, but, uh, um, a lot of, uh, well, man, a lot of breakdowns and like field maintenance and shit that you just like so many on for scenes. Um, the trail had like, um, huge, like, uh, downed trees across it all over the place. And so you'd be like either trying to like cut through the shit or like, uh, have like three or four people, like try to lift one bike at a time across these, like, you know, uh, down, down trees and shit like this. And like, um, uh, a lot of crashes, everybody, there was like a, at least a crash a day. Um, somebody was crashing all the time. I crashed, uh, more than a few times. Um, <clears throat> that last one with Steve Brown was very, very epic. 
Um, uh, Willie, I remember crashed one day, maybe it was in uh, Mississippi and like some like loose, like gravel, like scree type shit. And like, mm-hmm fucked up his rack or something and like everybody was like breaking down having problems uh willie man fucking golden child oh yeah changing uh, rings every day or something oh uh, he changed a couple rings maybe um he was like i think that he was like finding stuff to do because he felt bad that we were like waking up at like five to like try to repair our bikes and stay on the road and he would be like oh man yeah my license plate bracket's a little bent <laughs> better take a look at that. Yeah. You know, but he was like always like helping somebody else with their shit though. Like him and I did a flat read rebuild at, um, it's called the, the tat shack. And it's like, a um, like a major like destination for people that do the TAT, uh, where they'll like stop for the night and lay over. And you like, basically you stay at this guy's property that has like, um, like a single wide trailer in the front of his property and you can like overnight there or whatever. And he's like totally down for you to stay and shit and like do whatever. And so we, we stayed at the tat shack and we did a flat read, uh, rebuild on the front porch underneath like one of these, like, um, like yellow, like, uh, bug lights, you know, it was like encrusted with like fucking 20 years worth of like mosquitoes and June bugs and shit all over it. You know, mm-hmm. and we're like trying to like, you know, rebuild this motor and not lose any of the shims and make sure that everything's cool on like a, you know, two by four plank, like front porch and shit at like, you know, one in the morning. Yeah. If you guys um, want to see a picture of the tat shack, just, uh, it's turtles, like, tat trip or whatever you can find it but i just googled it the tat shack trans america trail and it's like the first picture that pops up it's sick um there's been a bunch of people there over the last couple years that uh i know have like done portions of the tat um i think mike beasy and um and uh dougie dougie from uh h&r's uh they all like went on a motorcycle thing and stopped out there and like uh, flipped through the uh, guest sign-in and then found all of our sign-ins, you know, so it's like all of our names and the bikes we're riding and all the performance parts and blah, 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 all this shit. Uh, I think Tyler Christmas was out there not too long ago, too, and he also stayed at the Tatchak and, like, you know, so it's, like, pretty cool to see that people are, like, uh, you know, not necessarily doing it on mopeds, but they still, like, find the thing as intriguing as we did to want to like do it on a motorcycle because yeah. it's fucking cool, man. Like the idea that some guy spent however long to figure out an off-road, uh, again, mostly off-road trail all the way across the nation for you to like go and do like have this experience is like really, really neat to me. And that, um, that people are still doing it. And I think I might be mistaken, and again, this might be a, a fact check thing. I think that we are the smallest displacement bikes to still have ripped it. There might have been some guys on Trail 90s or something that did it, but a bunch of them got injured and fucked up, and they ended the trip short or something. Or uh, I don't know. You'd have to look into it. But <clears throat> my idea is, if anybody wants to do this, uh, you be sure hit me up, find me on the internet. I want to do Yamaha GT50s. Probably be Trans America Trail. Probably a lot GT50s. easier. 
Oh yeah, it'd be sick. You wouldn't break down at all. It'd be fine. Uh, I it'd actually, be slow, but it'd be fine. I did like just a quick search on my pit army, and like the first thing that popped up was uh, a post by Wildcard, and he's like, "Yeah, I did it. I seized eight times. I was like, I seized and blew my shit up eight times before Arkansas and went home." That's true. That happened. Um, also, anybody that's interested, uh, Alex Grow um, was keeping a. Uh, maybe like a blog spot page or some shit about the thing. Um, I think all the way from the beginning to the end. Yeah. That is like, uh, gives you a pretty good understanding of what the thing was and like how difficult it was to do on mopeds. Like on a motorcycle, I think you could totally rip it. Tyler Christmas did it just like a month or two ago and it took him forever to do it. And he was breaking down all the time. Like he was having like field repairs and doing all kinds of shit. Like, uh, no, I'm not going to say daily, but, uh, I definitely was like keeping track of him while he was ripping and he had his fair share of shit that was going wrong with like, uh, I think he is on a um, DR three fifty. So like even that it's still like not the easiest thing to facilitate, but you know, if your heart is in it and um, you know, you're looking for something to go do that is maybe like um, introspective or uh, meditative or cathartic or um, challenging or, you know, something like this, it's definitely worth looking into. Um, It, I guess it kind of pales in comparison to the mopeds, the South America shit, but you know, yeah. it, it was worth a shot. <laughs> well, it's good to hear that you, you do it again, just not with mopeds. Um, DT fifties, I think is the, is the sick move. Yeah, for sure. Um, those things are great. Uh, BC has one right now that I want to, I want to buy from him. Uh, real bad to uh, maybe build up for something like this. Um, but uh, uh, otherwise, I don't know. Like, uh, what other kind of ridiculous thing could you do it on? Like, I'm sure that there's somebody right now that has got like some kind of like w- whatever those goofy fucking Onyx things are, or like yeah. some kind of electric fucking, um, you know. Not enough power sources out there, dude. They got to bring your fucking generator. Well, I mean, herein lies the problem. Somebody will try to figure it out, I, I would imagine, because everybody that sees the thing gets intrigued by it and wants to, like, try their hand at it, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd like to see somebody do it with, like, uh, gas-powered Harley golf carts, you know, like some, like, 1980s <laughs> a- AMF, like, uh, golf carts, you know? That'd be fucking tight. I'd be into that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Or like uh, John Deere Gators or something, you know, that, that'd be sick. Um, you, you know, I just, I don't know what else there is out there for, to like raise the bar again. Like what, what else there is? Like I applaud, uh, <clears throat> the guys for the, um, what you call her, uh, Baker's dozen that they're still doing it, you know, yeah. and like finding routes and like doing the shit, but you know, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Cool. I guess. Like, can we go do the Dakar? Or how about uh, Baja? That would be tight. Like the next stream. That's Sean always looking for the next big thing. 
Well, no, I mean, not that it has to be extreme, but just like different and inventive and new and like fun. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of the things that's like bummed me out about uh, mopeds. It's like going to rallies is great and you get to catch up with all your buds and like uh, party and do all the shit. And maybe that should be an important facet of it. But the, um, the formulaic way that they happen has like just been like such a bummer to me for so long that like it's right. not really fun to go to you party. show up on friday you, meet up, you fucking party. you meet up you fucking go take a fucking bullshit 15 minute ride to some bar everybody gets faded everybody ends up doing coke hanging out all night staying up too late waking up feeling like fucking shit for the long ride you go on a long ride, everybody fucking breaks down, you stop at a halfway point, you have some kind of mediocre lunch, you fucking go to the end point, and everybody parties more there, and then it's like, you go back to some fucking, like, camp spot or, like, half-ass fucking back alley or something where you're allowed to, like, kind of party and, like... Same thing, wash, rinse, repeat, everybody parties, you leave Sunday morning feeling like shit, like, you know, and not to say that I haven't had good times doing that, because I surely have, absolutely, but I feel like there's more that could happen, or like, I showed up, you know, we went to a nice restaurant, steak dinners for everybody, lobsters on deck. <laughs> Matt this rally one time, these fucking guys in fucking basketball jerseys fucking show up. And they're riding fucking derbies. I'm like, yo, what's up with these fucking kooks? They blast on everybody, dude. They don't fucking hang out Friday night. They don't fucking go fucking party. They disappear what the Saturday factor, after the fucking long ride. They come back to the party and they've got some fucking like rando chicks on the back that they've met somewhere. And you're like, yo, what the fuck is up with you guys? What have you been doing? And they're like, oh, we went to some fucking museum or some shit, you know? Went and, like, did something cool in the city instead of just, like, hanging out and, like, partying with you fucking wasteoids. And I was like, man, that's actually really cool because, like, we drive all these, like, you know, thousands of miles sometimes to go to these rallies and shit and then, like, never really get to experience the city or do anything except see someone's backyard, I was like, man, we could definitely figure out something that's better than this. What is that thing? I don't know. And lo and behold, you're like, hey, these are the beans, I guess. Oh, definitely. 100% the beans. Yeah. Big time on the bean scene, for sure. Yeah, if you're seeing the fucking Jordan jerseys riding around on fucking fast-ass derbies, so you're, yeah, you're in the presence of greatness. <laughs> one hundo on that um i feel like we tried to like do some like fun inventive stuff you know the uh, um, uh roller coaster rally yeah um little, that that was cool that was fun. cool that was that was a branch out you know like um that was pretty fun until uh, all the all the <laughs> drugs hit <laughs> oh, yeah, um, you, i think you got to avoid the shit shot the shit show ride home right you left early uh no, I was on the I was on the ride home. <laughs> oh, the death march. <laughs> uh, it was uh unforgiving and punishing and um I regretted all the bad decisions that I made in the parking lot and the night before and um 
the uh, Dale Earnhardt Intimidator ride that made everybody black out. Um, <laughs> that was a total fuck fest. Um, you know, the uh, I didn't make it for it, but the the NASCAR rally um, <clears throat> that looked fun and looked like a total debacle, and everybody had a great time at that. Yeah, that was fun. Um, <clears throat> I was always more more partial to the. Um, like little invitational things and stuff that we were doing and not like full blown rallies where you felt like you were committed to like, um, entertaining a bunch of people and like having all this shit planned and doing all this stuff, you know, it, it felt more like organic and fun to just have a bunch of people show up for like a camping thing where we planned like a long ride. And that was the thing, like yeah. just show up, hang out, party, eat food together, sleep in tents, go do this like long ride thing that was like going through the mountains and doing something like really cool. And then relax. And then, yeah. And like, and it, and it being like real chill, you know, that, that was like, that was more fun to me than uh, a lot of the uh, other shit that we've done or planned or like tried to orchestrate or whatever. I really enjoy, I really enjoy those too. Cause like, you know, you were like a big part of like, doing that and organizing that and like and it was like it because of the fact that it was smaller because like big rallies are cool they're rad they're fun you're having this rager you're gonna see all these people and catch up but like because there's so much going on there's so many people you don't really get that close time with each other and when we were doing the those invite rallies like the whiskey fall classic and uh, the fucking the other one hoods in the woods and all that shit it was like all right cool there's 20 of us and you're really getting a buddy down with like Legion, who like are homies. Yeah. And like yeah. you're getting you're getting tight, like because it's just the few of you. Yeah, it was it was more um, it was more intimate. Yeah, uh, I feel like for sure. Um, you know, and so we got to like we got to spend more time together without like, uh, and everybody's like in one location too. So it's not like okay, these people are staying at this person's house, these people are staying at this house, or over here, these people are in uh, hotels or yeah. whatever shit. You know, everybody's in the same shit all together, and we're all hanging out. Hence why and the camping like, rally is always king. Like the rally where everyone dude, can go do their own thing sucks. Like the rally where you make everyone stay at one place, awesome. Uh, camping rallies are the shit, man. Um, that time we went and like fucked up that dead peds rally was so fun. <laughs> that shit was fucking terrific, man. That was like, that was a great one. The trace um, baby. Yeah. Notches trace. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, I'm sad to see that those guys aren't around anymore because their shit was always, a always a good time. Uh, yeah. Well, luckily there's a new club there who's still holding it down, throwing chase trace rides and, you know? Oh, cool! I didn't know that. Alive. Oh, yeah, they got a new club there, keeping the scene alive. Mm. Um, that's cool. Um, Nashville is a really fun place, and um, seems to have like a lot of good writing. Um, same thing with uh, Louisville too, like um, and Lexington, both uh, Kentucky. Um, always had like really cool rides and. Uh, a lot of good shit to go see and go do and party and hang out and stuff. Um, uh, I don't know, man. I went to like a bunch of like weird rando locales where I didn't think that it was going to be as cool as it was and ended up being very chill. Um, I, I applaud all the rando gangs, man. I really respect what they are doing and glad that, um, 
there was like this shift away from people wanting to feel like they needed to be a part of um, some like moped army and umbrella branch gang thing. And we're just like uh, resigned to do their own shit and like not care or like try to like be a part of the status quo or whatever. <clears throat> and I think that um, a lot of people have had the most fun at those things, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's get into, let's kind of wrap it up. But like, where are you with mopeds now? Like you, you've moved back to Denver, you've moved back to the East coast again since, you know, the end of the shred shed. And uh, you still have oh, man. Uh, since, uh, Virginia, um, I'm, I moved out to San Francisco. I was out there for like four years. um, we worked at treats for a little bit and then um worked at a ktm dealer out there as a service guy for a while um had a shop space out there worked on a bunch of bikes flip bikes worked on bikes did shit like that out there for a while um moved from there back to denver um uh the boy is there um had another shop space that was huge uh, two automotive lifts, uh, two motorcycle lifts, huge, huge, huge space. Um, did a lot of wrenching out of there, um, last three, four years. Um, and then most recently, um, am currently in Philly and, um, uh, I don't really have, uh, much intent to try to do a shop thing here. Uh, I don't think that there's one open to the public. Uh, Legion, I think, still has their thing going on, but uh, I don't think that they're like actively engaged in doing like service gigs and flipping bikes or anything like that. But um, it, it's not really uh, not really on my radar anymore. Like um, I was able to like survive off of doing the thing and felt good about it for a number of reasons for a long time. But ultimately like I'm not getting any further than I was a decade ago, like, you know, not having any kind of uh, healthcare or insurance or uh, retirement or 401k or any of the shit, not putting anything away in social security or any shit like this is like, uh, it's starting to catch up. And I'm getting to be uh, too old now to be like, oh, I just fucking freestyle this for the rest of my life. Like, you know, I'm trying to work for the railroad now and like uh, get in and <clears throat> make some good money and uh, uh, got my little five-year plan going. Uh, me and my gal are trying to like buy some property, West Virginia, maybe start like a little Airbnb thing and um, do something that's a little bit different. Like, um, I still, I've got a whole pile of mopeds here that are ready to be built and I will probably continue forging on in earnest to some sort of degree, um, and would like to still build bikes and send them out into the world for people to ride and enjoy. And, um, I would like to... Uh, get together with other individuals and be able to go and ride and stuff. But, you know, doing it as a full-time thing, I think is not, not really so much uh, where I see my life going anymore. Um, 
and responsibilities kicking in. You got to figure shit out. Yeah. 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 There's that a lot. Um, my bike is here right now. It's parked, parked outside the, uh, house. I've been, uh, subletting a room in while we look for a house here. Um, and so I'm like, I'm still riding. Uh, I'm still doing the, I'm still doing the thing. Um, there's people that, uh, are interested in some of these bikes I have that want to get riding so that we can go and, uh, knob around and go, uh, play trains and stuff and do the shit that we do, you know, without having cars. And that's pretty cool. And I want to encourage that. Um, our homeboy, uh, Rob, uh, just bought a house out here and, uh, has a big garage and stuff. And so we're going to be doing some, uh, ranching out of there as soon as he gets, uh, settled in. And, uh, hopefully I touch base with, uh, Legion guys here sooner than later and, uh, see about, uh, what they're up to these days. Maybe, uh, shake the bushes a little bit, rattle some cages, see if we can get some like, uh, uh, you know, fairly, uh, consistent kind of, uh, group ride thing going on would be cool. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, uh, mopeds have been, um, hugely influential part of my life. And the people that I know and the people that I'm close to and the people that I love the most and cherish the most, um, all come from the train riding and moped riding scenes. And so it's something that will never, never end. Uh, I will, I'll always be a part of the thing and will always be wrenching on bikes and riding and hanging out with people and wanting to do that actively with other individuals. Um, but seeing it as a full-time thing or a means to an end. Uh, uh, I think those days are long gone. Um, I would like to encourage somebody else to step up to do that. And, uh, yeah, I have lots of, uh, parts, tools, all kinds of shit. I would like to donate to that endeavor. If there's anybody in the Philadelphia area that's, uh, wanting to open up a shop, give me a call. You let me know. I'll, uh, point you in the right direction and be of uh, as much assistance as I can. But otherwise though, yeah, it's a labor of love, man. And, uh, it's a hard fucking gotta love it. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to push and to, and to keep going and to be successful and profitable and to be able to like succeed in a way that's going to support you for the rest of your life. And yeah, there's, yeah, there's no way. And there's, there's a few shops in this country that are like, holding strong and keeping the thing going and are super legit, you know, big up Lester. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lester's still big, doing big it. Up, big up. Will. Okay. Willie out in Chicago moped. There's a, yeah. there's, there's a new shop in, in Virginia in uh, Pennsylvania that I really want to go check out. If you want to go out with me one weekend, it's uh outside of Pittsburgh. It's called uh vintage Valley mopeds. And oh, that sounds the, sick! Yeah, I'd love to the, do that. Oh, it's it's immaculate. It looks like a legit storefront, like a like a like a million dollar bicycle shop, but it's mopeds. And cool, you know, the, the guy made you know good money in his personal life out before mopeds, you know, and then is doing this thing too. And then you know, there's Ed's moped shop out there, and I think Nebraska or Omaha, something like that. Yeah, no, they, yeah, and he's, mm-hmm. he just built a brand new shop, like. 
you know, custom built, like they're, they're killing it. Uh, Seattle shop, you know, magic touch, like, you know, there's so much, there's, there's a oh, few, yeah. there's not yeah, a magic lot, touch for sure. but there's a few solid shops have been <laughs> holding it down for years and it's hard to do. It's a, it takes a lot of work, man. There's only so many hours in the day. And, um, when the day is over, man, it's, it's hard to keep, uh, press pressing ahead in earnest. And so I, I admire the, um, tenacity, uh, perseverance and dedication of all these people that have, um, struggled against all of those, um, odds and, uh, continue to forge ahead in earnest, man. It's, uh, man, it's a real, it's a real trick to try to pull it off. And I encourage everybody that is listening to, uh, buy stuff from those people, support those people, turn out from their, for their rides, be a part of their thing, you know, try to, try to help them out because without those guys, man, the scene withers up and dies. And so, you know, um, and if you or don't have that thing, the, yeah, take, pick take up, up the, torch. the torch and do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Open up your own shop. And do it yourself. If you don't have the stuff to open up a shop, at least like, you know, host the ride, blow the horn, yeah, fucking beat one, the drum. Someone's got to do it. Def, definitely. Definitely. Keep shaking the bushes, rattling the cages, get people involved and out there and doing the thing because, uh, you know, as the old MA guard goes out to pasture, uh, you guys are the, the new blood and the, the ones that need to be, uh, responsible for, um, uh, carrying on the legacy of what everyone else has started. And it'd be a, it'd be a sad scene one day to see that, uh, these fucking goofy ass electrics take over or everybody segues into fucking motorcycles and then the whole thing dies off. It'd be a real, real bummer. So don't let that happen. Definitely make sure you spend all your money at treatland.tv. Don't fucking buy shit from Alibaba. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> buy your shit from treats. Always. They give back to the community way more than anyone else does. Always supports everything. Every rando rally, every race, every, everything you ever see, every bike that's ever built has got something on treats from it. So definitely make sure spend your money with those guys. Cause they're the fucking homies always. And, uh, man, just keep wrenching, riding, try to do something unique and cool and, um, keep pushing the envelope, man. Uh, I want to see more cool builds and I want to see more cool rallies and rides and people doing fun stuff and being inventive and trying to take it to the next level, whatever that is. Um, you know, the, the, the new generation out there, I'm sure has got fresh ideas and I want to see them all come to fruition. Oh Yeah. Well, Sean, I appreciate it, dude. You're, you know, like I said, you're the homie. Like, you are, you know, probably in the top five reasons. Like, I'm like still like in mopeds. You know, a big, big part of that back then. And you know, you're I one of the top five reasons I'm still in mopeds. <laughs> if it weren't for you and all the rest of the boys, which the the laundry list is too too large to shout shout out everyone here. Yeah, but definitely uh everybody knows uh who they are uh Jono, sam mckay rick styles Derek, willie crook rachel all the og denvers 
uh, Connor Costello, my little homie. <laughs> Papa Best Costello. Boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, all my little Richmond boys. Vince, Noah, Nigel, Cuppy, little, little Jordan. All, all my little besties there. Did Jordan all, just bought his first my, house? Oh, I know. I know. I was there. He was sweating it. He didn't think he was going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Big up to all the homies in the gang. Love everyone. Hey, dude, Black big Trevor. up to all the rest of the trifects, all the rest of our uh, supporters. Fuck all you haters. You guys ain't never going to play it as good as we did. So sorry, y'all. Might as well hang it up. Big ups all the new guys. Do it better than we did. Please. Man. All right, Daddy. I'm going to pop it off. Uh, episode will be up tomorrow. I'll tag you and shit. Okay. Sounds good. If you use some embarrassing picture of me, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> uh, send me the picture you want, man. I don't care. I'll use whatever you feel. I'm gonna send, send a send, picture of you that I want. All right, send me send me like a like a current selfie or something. I'll post it. Whatever. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you decide. All right, we'll talk to you after a little bit. Love right, you, dude. babe. Yeah, dude. Later. All right, bye. All right, guys. Thanks for fucking kicking it with us. That was you know that was cool for me because like I said, Sean was like a big he was a big reason for a lot of, a lot of the push in Richmond like when the Satans were falling off, like he gave us a spot to like be together and to meet and to wrench and to hang. And when we lost that spot, he got another one and, you know, let a sublease there and, you know, hosted things. It was a driving force. Like, yo, Moped Monday, Moped Monday. We got to do this. We got to go on rides. Like that's why this podcast is called Moped Monday. Cause that was like the day we had rides in Richmond. That was when it was popping off. That's when we were doing cool. It's Moped Monday. Like I would, not take on extra work and i would not like make plans on monday for years because i was like no sorry monday like i'm gonna be doing moped stuff with the homies and i don't know like sean's a big part of that you know and thanks for listening if you want to support the podcast which i wanted to, fuck i don't have my phone and shit set up right right now but shout out to you know, the last person who went on mopedmonday.com and purchased a shirt, I really appreciate it. That, like, pays for, you know, the hosting for, you know, the next month. So, thank you. Shout out to you. But if you want to support the podcast, you can go to mopedmonday.com and purchase a shirt or a hoodie or a mask or a flag or whatever the fuck else we got. And if you have a topic that we should get into or a guest that I should get on the podcast or you want to be a guest yourself... Uh, or just a random question that you want us to answer on the show, you can email us at mopedmondaypodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's mopedmondaypodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, if you want to do anything else to help, just share it, like it, subscribe or whatever the fuck, you know, tell a friend about it. And yeah, that's it, dude. Fuck your car. Ride a moped. So um, what are your favorite moped sounds? <laughs> Your car. <laughs> I don't know, like touch a flower, is it moving? Like, no, it feels pretty locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude.